Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hello, everybody. Good morning, and welcome back to the program. At this hour, what will $100 million buy you at the Crown Building here in New York City? Well, it's five floors of penthouse living with a show kitchen, piano lounge, two swimming pools, and a full floor master suite, according to the floor plans. But who is this buyer? We're going to break that down and talk about it. Also at this hour, New York's buildings are as diverse as the people who inhabit them, but when it comes to interior design, it often feels like when you've seen one, you've seen them all. Open kitchen, stainless steel, a Appliances and white plank flooring are almost ubiquitous in design-focused homes these days, but design trends, like most things in New York, are always changing. What is trending today in design, according to top brokers in our city? We will talk about that with the panel, but first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. My panel is here, and we will get to all of that and much more, but first, a couple of news items. Country music star Keith Urban is purchasing a lavish $39 million Manhattan townhouse for his wife, Nicole Kidman, so she can take her acting career to Broadway here, according to a recent report here in New York. Urban bought the six-story Upper East Side townhouse, which Michael Jackson once called home, so the Oscar winner can pursue her stage dreams in the city after starring in a London production of the award-winning play Photograph 21, according to Women's Day. Who's buying me a, a townhouse so I can hone my craft good lord <laughs> nicole is keen to do a broadway shows and get into making tv programs and new york is a much better place for them to be than a nashville source told the magazine however industry sources say the townhouse is still on the market and no deal has been made the limestone and red brick mansion was put on the market by billionaire hedge funder mark larcy according to the post uh, last month built in 1898 the 25 foot wide home is 12,745 square feet and comes with 16 rooms, including seven bedrooms. So let's see this week if a deal is actually made. The luxury market has a good had a good week during the Thanksgiving holiday, signing 15 contracts at $4 million and above. The top contract last week was on a 3,500-square-foot pad at 15 Central Park West, according to Olshan Realty's weekly luxury market report. Unit 8B was asking $25 million when the buyers signed on the dotted line, a reduction from the original asking price of $33 million back in June. The condominium unit features four bedrooms, four and a half baths, and prime Central Park views. The second biggest contract sign was the penthouse at 53 Leonard Street, asking $8.99 million, down from $18 million when it first hit the market in May of 2016. The triplex across uh, spans across 3,200 square feet, has four bedrooms, three and a half baths, and landscape terraces at all levels. Luxury homes with asking prices totaling $112.5 million went into contract last week with a median asking price of $6.7 million. Homes marketed for over $4 million spent an average of 301 days on the market with an average discount from original to final ask of 19%. Of the 15 apartments that went into contract, 14 were condos and just one was co-op. The best Thanksgiving week for luxury market, though in recent memory, was 2014 when 17 contracts were signed, according to Olshan. High-end buyers in New York City should expect concessions or at the very least sales and transfer taxes to be paid by the developers thanks to a glut of luxury properties currently on the market. These aren't the dramatic price reductions that people might think are happening, but there is some negotiation on price. 
Three to eight percent concessions can be expected at the moment off the list price. Though some developers with Starkitect designs or a premium location are unmoved by buyers' efforts to negotiate, most developers recognize the high-end market has shifted in favor of the buyer. Concessions were more likely on a $10 million price tag than on price tags from $1 to $3 million deals. Other concessions to look out for include some developers being willing to pay uh, sales and transfer taxes for buyers, usually, as I said, around 3% of the total purchase price. On the broker side, some developers are also increasing commissions from 3 to 4% to incentivize brokers to bring their clients sooner rather than later. So seize the day and concessions while the getting is good. Dumbo is about to get its very own full-service supermarket. The grocery store called Dumbo Market will be located at 66 Front Street, where it will replace a parking garage, according to the Commercial Observer. Two Trees Management has leased the site to the store, which will span 1,600 square feet and be operated by the family that runs Brooklyn Harvest Market in Williamsburg. Dumbo Market inked a 20-year lease for the space and should open up early next year. The Jehovah Witnesses' massive sell-off of their Brooklyn properties has lately been dominating the real estate market in Dumbo. Developer Jeffrey Gershon just closed on his $60 million purchase of the religious group site at 74 Adams Street, where he plans to construct a 10-story residential building. Uh, The Trump Organization has announced that it will part ways with Trump Soho, the hotel-condo hybrid that opened near the Holland Tunnel a decade ago. The 46-story building has been struggling to attract guests. And as a result, the organization has reached an agreement with the building's owners, CIM Group, for an exit deal by the end of the year. This, according to the New York Times, the building has struggled since its debut in 2007, both in selling its condo units and bringing in hotel guests willing to t- willing to pay its high rate since its debut in 2007. In April, the hotel's main restaurant shut down with a lawyer citing declining business since the election as one of the primary reasons. The hotel has also come under scrutiny lately due to its early ties to Russian financiers, as well as the allegedly misleading practices the Trump children use to lure prospective buyers. It's not been disclosed what the buyout amount will be as a result of the negotiations. However, CIM Group will have to pay Trump Organization for the years remaining on the contract. CIM will likely go on to rebrand the property and you know it's going to be interesting to see if and when they do rebrand this property how it will fare i don't necessarily think it's trump's fault i just think it's a it's a matter of where this building was located and i just think it's it just really was not a very attractive building i mean it's one of those also the 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 zoning to get that variance for the height they weren't allowed to use as a residential so you buy this multi-million dollar hotel room but you're only allowed to stay in it for you know two or three months a year um, I, sh- I was showing that in like 2010 yeah. and, you know, they were giving you projections and all that stuff. And it was just kind of weird, the whole situation. Yeah, I just thought the whole thing was, was I a, can't a, believe you showed it. a problem. Mm-hmm. From the I, <laughs> I, I never showed it. So but uh, I just thought it was a problem. Anyway, we're here today with Sean McPeak from Compass, Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Real Estate and Matthew Cohen from CORE. Noah and Ray are on their way. So good morning, everybody. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Great. I can't believe part of the news isn't about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Well, I was going to ask you if uh, you had any comments on that, Matthew. I'm such a fan of it. Well, are, are, are you really? For an apartment. That's, That's what I want. I agree. I'm so on page with Louise. Like, I want to know where they're getting a pied-a-terre in New York. That's all I want to know. He needs to take a you know page out of Keith Urban's book and find <laughs> the right? I'm pretty sure Prince Harry could get her anything. 
Um, I'm sure, but I mean, you know, she's from the States and she's packed up and moved to London as of the other day, I think, and they're going to be living in his little cottage on Kensington, <clears throat> uh, no, not Kensington, yeah, on Kensington uh, Palace Ground, so, you know, apparently she's done with the U.S. for now. Just a little cottage. I definitely think Just they're going to be at a tear here, though, because yeah. she's not done acting, I guarantee it. Put your feelers out. So maybe she, get I'm a with. huge Shoots fan, so I'm very upset that she's off the show. Well, so by the we'll, way, so we'll I, see. I've never even heard of the show <gasps> until I read about her. And it's actually filmed in Canada, day. so you know, for oh, all they, you listeners out there. About the show. <laughs> no, it's it's like one of those legal shows, you know, and it's 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 just it's an really long show. Um, yeah, it's been on the air for seven or eight seasons. Um, she she plays a paralegal. I mean, it's not really this, you know huge hit but I'm sh- I just love the whole story between her and Prince Harry I think it's great I think that like I, for everyone out there who doesn't know like they didn't really know each other they didn't know of each other but they just she, met last year yeah I mean but in the sense of you know I feel like everyone knows the royal family and she claims at least that she didn't really know the ins and outs of him and and the family and so I think it's well, really I, interesting. I, I would believe that. I mean, until you meet somebody, I mean, you know, yeah. he, he's big news. He's in the press because he's part of the royal family, part of, you know, the, the Windsor, you know, history. But, you know, until you know somebody like him or anybody, you don't really know. Right. So lucky her. New uh, princess to be. So lucky her. So lucky her. <laughs> anyway, moving on. What will $100 million buy you at the Crown Building, as he talked about at the top of the show? Five floors of penthouse living with a uh, show kitchen. I want to know what a show kitchen is because apparently there is a show kitchen in this place. And a working kitchen in this place. So my question is, why the need for two? But we'll get to that. A piano lounge, two swimming pools, full floor master suite. That all according to the the floor plans. The crown of the building, which is being converted into condominium uh, by a Russian developer, will span nearly 14,000 square feet, according to the offering plan, which was approved just recently by the Attorney General's office. So, you know, my question is, who, I mean, who is the buyer in today's marketplace for a hundred million dollar crown jewel penthouse, I mean, and and why is that so like necessary? You think uh, Bill Ackman would trade his uh, his <laughs> penthouse for that one right now? Well, we just well, we just talked about I mean, the royal family. Sounds fam- like it gets like a way more for this apartment. Well, I was going to say we just talked about the royal family. I think it's a really good segue. You know, I, it, it could definitely be some sort of royal family throughout the world. Um, you know, whether they're. Saudi or from the Middle East or, um, you know, some sort of political family, maybe. Is there, is there is there a question or any question around like doing business with a with a Russian investor in our political environment at the mm. moment? And where is Michael Schwab? Oh. I think you. Is he in jail? <laughs> <laughs> a Russian oligarch, maybe. I mean, uh, I but this is what I'm saying. Who is buying? I'm, this I'm I mean, listen. There's been in history a great number of. You know, we've got one West 57th Street, uh, one. 40 West right. 57th, and you, you know, that was our our record breaking. But Steve Cohen attempted in in 2013 to list his town his apartment at uh, 58th Street for 100. Bloomberg, yeah. which sold for 55 you know right. the plaza came on you've got uh, the pierre hotel for 75 million they yeah. traded for 45 million so right the but markets were find but, the market right the markets are a little better though in in, in some of those in some of those trades i mean that it, it is today trending markets today right. is is i mean you know even 50 un plaza the zeckendorfs who have been masters at marketing mm. they captured Two transactions in yes. July over seventy million dollars at five twenty Park, but 
We'll see. At, at 50 UN Plaza, I, they were projected to be 110 million. They're at 70. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's going to be someone in finance, someone domestic. Um, you know, the returns guys are seeing I this it's year. International. Yeah, I totally I think mean, it's the, international. I mean, the amount of money people are making, though, in the markets right now in the U.S., uh, I think, I think uh, luxury real estate is going to be the first beneficiary in 2018. Um, so I think it just makes sense. Well, they say the bonuses this year are going to be great. So let's see if someone from that bonus pool decides to pick up this particular apartment. Because, again, you know, $100 million is $100 million. I mean, that's a lot of money to I spend I mean, you, on you might think because it's a Russian hotel chain that they already had buyers, you mm-hmm. know, kind of circled to pick this up. But maybe, you know, even with those connections, they're kind of, um, you know, a little, little bit uh, uneasy about moving their family to New York right now. All right. We have to leave it there. We're live from Blast Talk Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will be right back after these messages. So don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with Sean McPeak from Compass, Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from Core, and the boys have returned Noah, Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International and Raymond Lord from Douglas Elliman. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having Hello. us. Happy Turkey Day. Yes. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah awesome. Okay. Same here. Let's go. <laughs> to it it is is it wrong to send out multiple now listen we've all we all deal with co-ops and condos and in some cases townhouses and and we've been in this business for a while and we're all expert but you know question is is it wrong to send out multiple contracts at once when you're selling an apartment Uh, i don't think so in in good days you know when you have a very robust marketplace and a lot of activity there may be a need sometimes but in general is it a good practice to send out multiple contracts so you said you think you asked if it's wrong 
I is it wrong? It's I think not wrong. I think it's yeah. a I think it's a gray area. It can rub people the wrong way for sure. Yeah, but I think you know you got to do what's best for your client. And, 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 yeah. And often what I would say to my owner is like, listen, you know, my the principle of my business is treating people the way I would want to be treated. Exactly. That being said, it's your call, and if you direct me to not say anything, I can't say anything. Same with your attorney. Hmm. So, so. Um, I, I, I agree I, with I Louise. Strategically, it's better to not say anything than try to like be transparent. Hey, I'm sending five contracts. No, no, out. no. Right, right. Yeah. But um, I think that it becomes a moral compass for individuals. Absolutely. I put. I mean, I'll put. I'll, I'll put like some <clears throat> timing pressure on another person. And say, hey, listen, we have another contract out. We sent you one. We'd rather go with you, but please get it back to us in a timely fashion. You know, you put a deadline on it. Also, with like a real. You so know, are you going back to buyer number one? No, I let them both know. I said, you know, you're you might have made some, you know, last misstep. minute change. No, so just, we don't yeah, do I mean, that. Yeah, that's a misstep for sure. In the Hamptons, we don't do that, but we definitely I'll inform people like have the contract ready to send it out to another person. But I would never send out two of them in the Hamptons. I mean, well, it's is it's, it your choice? Uh, it's not. It's always a gray area. It's, like, it's, no, like, but it's not really your choice. No, but I've, I've never had attorneys push back. I've never in you know. six years had a client want to send out two contracts. I think them. morally it's a gray area because theoretically and illegally even, um, and principally, you're representing the seller. So your interest is with the seller. So yeah, you have to do what they want, but at the same it's time, it's, it's both sides. Oh, 100%. But I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, with regards to like what they want to do. So even if we say to them, we don't morally believe that it's a good practice to send out two contracts, um, we have to do what they want at the end of the day. I mean, how many times as a buyer's broker have we been like, there's a contract out, we didn't get the deal. When have you said you 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 clean up your your offer? No financial contingency. Here's fifty thousand dollars. Exactly. Support. Yeah. Here's, exactly. Win the deal. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right. So it's more about I guess it's I guess it's just until the fat lady sings. I guess it's communicative. You know, I I I, I had an. I was selling an apartment in Tribeca two years ago and we had an offer on the table and we had a contract out and we got another offer and um, the seller wouldn't let me tell you know, the brokers that we had another contract out and it, it just, it was hard for me morally. Um, I guess that's all I'm saying because I think communication wise, it's nice that all the parties know what's going on as opposed to if something, you know, if you have like, right, if you have two or three yeah. contracts out and then one of them gets signed and fully executed and then the other two are left in the dark and they're like, what just happened? Well, it, it, it it's a spin, tough spot. It could spin into a, a total catastrophe and right. we've all been there. So I guess to you know to 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 clarify it, it's not really wrong to send out you know wrong is the wrong word. It's not really wrong to send out multiple it's contracts not. or two, but it can lead to some level of ill will or you know moral issues or whatever. You know, on that theme, let me ask this. So what is the difference between and I just had this happen the other day. So we get an accepted offer on a very expensive apartment. Contract goes out yesterday, or Friday, and so the broker says to me, um, so. Uh, can you cancel open house? Well, no, not really. Uh, two, can you can you promise that you'll only show it for backup? So what is the difference? Because if you're at full ask or even if you're under full ask, there is always an opportunity that the next offer coming in could be better. So, so why would you just commit to showing it for backup? And, and so, I hear this all the time. Yeah, I think that those are semantics. I mean, um, I'm happy... 
Listen, we have an obligation, a fiduciary responsibility to Correct. submit all offers. Exactly. So, until know, closing, which people don't realize. It's not when the contract is signed. It's until closing. And, and then secondly. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, until closing. Yeah. Well, if there's a contingency in the contract, you can keep showing or not marketing contract or whatever. Right. But, but I also Interesting. Think, I want to know more about that. I also think that um, at the end of the day, you know, if, if somebody, if we get an accepted offer on Monday or Tuesday, I will cancel the open house as, yes. a, as a gesture of good faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'm also looking for a contract to be signed in five business days. Correct. I also take appointments and don't tell a word I have a, to anyone that I have a deal out because. You want to scare them away? It doesn't, it just doesn't, it's not over till the fat list. And as Sean said before, we're really trying to do or need to do what's best for our client or our seller. So, you know, you have to do what you have to do until it's signed and now closed. I respect both, I respect both, you know, opinions on the subject, whether you think it's right or wrong. But I I think it's in good taste, you know, like Maddie said, to, you know, be communicative and just letting people know what's going on. I also just think it depends on the market and it depends on the property. You know, Louise is right. Like, if if I have a hot property and we just did our first open house on Sunday and we have a bunch of offers come Monday, um, which normally we would probably not make a decision until Wednesday. Let's be real. If we have, yeah, right. But if we have a lot of offers, we're probably not making a decision that quickly. But if we do on Monday, you say to, you know, the buyers and they understand, you know, sign by Friday and we're not going to have. I, I don't house. think you cancel anything without a signature. Right. Um, I mean, like Louise said, though, is a good point. If you want to cancel your Sunday open house on a Monday, but right, Wednesday, exactly. Thursday hits and yeah. they haven't signed that thing or they're, they, you know, they start, you know, well, making right. different comments on the contract that you don't like. You you've full steam ahead. You just don't take your foot off the gas until the thing is fully executed. And, and, and I tell people all the time, and I think everybody should, you know, uh, the deal is the deal. But, you know, until this contract is signed. My obligation to my seller is to keep showing because you can decide the day or right up to signing that you don't want to sign and walk away from that. Now, we could have wasted five days or in right. some cases a week or seven days. Now, what do you do? You didn't show. You didn't have open house. So, you know, if the buyer is serious and if the broker working with these buyers knows what they're doing, they're going to get that contract signed as quickly as possible. That's the reason we push to get contracts signed so quickly in this town. Especially in a market like I mean, especially in a market like this, scheduling that open house when yeah. you have the accepted offer will create a sense of urgency because the buyer will see that. The buyer is going to start mm-hmm. relaying that to a their broker and agents and help you and agents out there who are representing buyers who you know if your buyer reacts strongly or badly to the other broker showing and not necessarily saying it's a backup or just showing in general always say to them you know think if you were in the seller's shoes i always like flipping the buyer to the seller and the seller to the buyer i'm like if you were in the seller's shoes you would want me to keep showing just in case something happens and that's just how it is, you know, like, and, and they, I always feel like they can put themselves in the seller's shoes. Whenever I was buying apartments in the past, before I was in the business, I would always say to my, my, uh, uh, lawyer, my attorney, and again, not even really knowing the process behind it all, but I'd always say to him, listen, I want this apartment. I, and I seem to always be buying in a, in a very hot, you know, crazy market. I want this apartment. Let's get this done in two, two or three days. I want to sign this right away because I know what can and I know what will happen. And, you know, I was a serious buyer. I wanted a particular apartment. I didn't want to run a risk of somebody else coming to scoop me. And so I think that's what buyers should do today. But, you know, in this particular market, there's no sense of urgency and there's no sense of anything other than, well, I'm busy. You know, busy doing what? 
get on your real estate transaction. Moving on, what goes into converting a multi-unit townhouse into one family? Now, this is a big topic and it's a big expense and we've all seen it happen. So you buy a townhouse, it, it was once a one family, now it becomes you know multiple families and now the trend today is, at least in the last couple of years here in this city, to convert them back to one family houses. Okay. They're very expensive here in town, but what is the process of doing that? I mean, it's a very lengthy process, but what is that process to take a multifamily townhouse, not a building, but a townhouse um, building and convert it back to one family? I mean, it, it's going to involve time, money, architect, construction, and Permits. somebody, somebody <laughs> who is knowledgeable about you know, the opportunity to alter the taxes, um, you know, from investment property to primary residence, um, although those benefits are um, becoming more challenging as taxes are moving up when you improve, um, when you improve your property, they are reassessing it for much more money. That happened in Harlem a great deal mm-hmm. to the point where it cost a lot of people to not be able to afford their their homes uh, after post renovations, but I think one of the triggers that took place in 2010 that made it a little more complicated was a sprinkler law that really um, there are loopholes around it. But if you have a building, a townhouse that's more than three stories, and you renovate, you have to put a sprinkler system in. So it's that that $250,000 renovation is not so much $250,000 renovation anymore. Yeah, the thing to having the right team in place is the absolute key to doing mm-hmm. this. Absolutely. Um, you know, in New York City, if you're going to cut corners, um, you're going to pay dearly for it. And I think the cost of failure here is higher than anywhere else, certainly in the United States, when it comes to renovations or zoning or, you know, having a variance or something like that for, you know, converting these multi-unit townhouses into a I mean, single this is, family. This has been a niche of the market that's been completely opportunistic for developers after the Great Recession when there was no market, no development work. You saw construction teams developing these townhouses which are all on the market today and or have been sold in the last few years. And Louise, you do a lot of townhouse stuff. So is it safe to say, you know, that renovating these townhouses are upwards of a million dollars today? Well, I think that we should look at it more on a price per square foot. You know, I think the bare minimum is 275 bucks a foot. But I think the reality when you're dealing with designers and and architects that are trying to do, you know, whether they're trying to have a blend of restoration of the old world with new contemporary living, you're going to be looking at 500 bucks a foot in some cases, certainly. And so if you're talking about a 10,000 square foot house, do the math. talking about a little money. Wow. And in I, a lot of ways, like, you have to know the city. Like, you have to know what you're getting into because, like you said, up in Harlem, that was a really hot market for a little bit. I mean, you know, people were... a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, people like people were taking these brownstones and multifamilies and making them gorgeous townhouses while still keeping, um, you know, the authentic- the authenticity of Harlem and and the landmarking. And, I mean, people like Neil Patrick Harris bought those townhouses. Yeah, so, record, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, but nowadays, it's, it's definitely hard to marginalize and get that return and and be able to get the profit, especially since a lot of those brownstones that are even able to 
be done like that are very close to low-income housing and very close to certain... Or they might have somebody living in there. You know, right, or have you know rent, renters that are stuck. I so think it's, that's the, um, op- the opportunity that still does lie is that you know in areas where you see gentrification that's happening along like Frederick Douglass, but you look on 100 and, I don't know, 27th Street, it may, need, may not be as quite developed as 123rd right. Street, but that... But but it's it's uh, you know the retail when that starts to become the anchor and the restaurants the rest will come. I, I would just like to add one thing <clears throat> that it's I think a lot of times end users don't understand how long it takes for these things to happen and the team they need That's to have sure. in place. So they come and they and they innocently so many buyers say hey uh, innocently hey I want to go see Renos. And I, and I, every time I, it's like, I, I immediately like I tell them, you know, do you, do you have the time to spend a half a it's year? It's another more? job. It's another occupation. Exactly. On this. Do you have the for team? Do you know who tennis, you want? Yeah. Exactly. So I think, I think they think, oh, well, I'll just get in there and I'll go to Home Depot and whatever. And there's just so much involved with it. So much involved, including the Department of Buildings and all the variances and, and the approvals, whatever. It's a big project. It's a big topic. It's a big dollar amount. So but if you're not ready for something like that, I would suggest you move yeah, on and buy. Not, not for beginners. Not for not beginners. For beginners. Not Even for investors beginners, have I, problems I, with it. Yeah. I, will, I will say that if you are looking for a user asset, you know, the the time value of money does pay off mm-hmm. if you are a buy and hold individual, a user asset. Absolutely. To be venturing into this to flip is something I would caution one against. All right, we have to leave it there. We have to take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back with much more. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, and my question is, how do you buy a one-bedroom apartment 
or a two-bedroom apartment uh, when you have to sell something first to buy. Now, we all as experienced agents encounter, you know, buyers like this. I want to buy. I need to buy. I need to upgrade or in some cases downgrade. But I have something first, an asset first that I have to sell. How do you handle that? Because, you know, people in this town don't understand, uh, not in this town, rather, don't understand how complicated a transaction in real estate is in New York City compared to any place else in the U.S. or around the world, for that matter. Well, I think I think the first thing which is true for so much about real estate is finding the right partner to to go through the process with, number one. Number two, it's managing expectations. And for myself, the, the, hundred, big one. the hundred transactions that I probably do a year, I would say more than 50% of them are buying and selling mm-hmm. on, are, are dual transactions. And um, and so when, I, when we talk about that, I think the process is the first step that I do is provide the analysis of what their current home is, conservative analysis. Um, then we actually figure out and back into what we can afford, whether it's a $10 million transaction or a million dollar transaction. You back into what they can afford and then there's the process of education. And I typically, once we start to see three or four things that we could make home, we sign the exclusive, we photograph it, we do brochures, floor plans, a whole nine yards. Then I don't list it. I wait till we find the right home and we negotiate our terms around that. Very interesting because you know when you're buying when you're buying an apartment and you have one to sell to complete the buy. That side doesn't of the always work, right? Matt? That, I was. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a, that's a tough one. Like this is no. Louise is very on point with a lot of what she said. What you said, um, you know. But but unfortunately, the process doesn't go that smoothly all the time. Um, generally, you know, it does not. Right? I find that people, especially in the lower, not the lower end, but with smaller apartments, like going from a studio to a one bed, going from like a one bed to a two bed, um, they worry about the transition. You know, it's it's nerve wracking to have to sell an apartment to afford an upgrade and and unfortunately in New York it's very very difficult you know maybe one or two percent of the time you can get it done to get um, a transaction approved with a sale contingency almost never so it's really scary to well, people that's what I was gonna say, right? and I guess for me I always like Louis said I try to manage expectations I try to you know one of the first things we talk about is that um, you know you, I always say you're gonna have to ride the wave you're gonna have to ride the process a little bit unfortunately and you're gonna have to put your trust in me and know that I'm not gonna let anything bad happen to you because the worst thing that can happen is someone homeless or or they don't want to move that much you know it sucks to move to a short-term rental for a little bit and then move again um, or put stuff in storage so so it really just it all depends on timing I, I like to just say that you know I I try to say that you should expect to be in something short term for a little bit because it makes the process easier uh, yes but but also um, you know people do do post closings. Yeah. I tell them expect. don't. Yeah. yeah, I tell them though, like don't expect that. that. Yeah. Like don't expect <laughs> when you're selling to get that. But I just I think also the key point of managing expectations, Matt, is is on. Uh, I mean, even in a bad market, there's an efficiency in the market, and I we have. That's why if you price it conservatively, you can you usually it get away with that, and you also can usually get more than the asking price. Yeah, even in a market like today. And I think that having a long closing, 
having a backup contingency yeah. to be able to do a post-occupancy. Those are the things. And then when you're selling, you have to sell at the right number. You have to list at the right number so that you can saturate the market in a very short time. There's a few things you said, like you can, in the Hamptons especially, you can delay the closing for a month. So you can use it as a buffer. Not mm-hmm. that everyone wants to do it, but sometimes you just have to push it out a month. Yeah. But to your point, you, you can price it conservatively. You usually sell it over asking. Even if the person doesn't want doesn't want the offer, I always tell them, like, listen, you might not be making 100% of what you want, but 90% is better. And then you can buy usually well, better. And, and the, you also want to lock so something make up in the difference. this inter- interest rate environment. You want to lock something for the long term. So leave a little money on the table and buy more today than less tomorrow. Yeah. Right. But remember, not everyone can. The problem is, is that, yes, those are options, but you're also dealing with people, some of who not only need the money from their sale to afford the new purchase, but they need the money from the sale to even be good to even qualify. So like if someone is moving from a co-op to another co-op, you know, good luck trying to get an accepted offer with a good broker on the other side of the deal without them selling their place. I mean, if there's competition, you and I did it. I know, but it's it's hard. <laughs> but, but we're but we're good brokers. I, mean, I, think I, I, it's, just, it's I just did it too, and it was not. We did a post close occupancy on the sale, and we postponed the closing on the buy, and that whole deal was contingent upon the sale of the first apartment. So it was a whole. That's kind of a condo, though. There were two condos. Yeah, okay. it was not a co-op. I wouldn't even go it's, down that road. But it's as Matt says, you've got to have it's complicated. It was very, very complicated, yeah. and it, it made the process that much longer, and and lots of you know fried nerves on every side. I'll, I'll tell I you, my whole thing. I just don't want it sellers. It just concluded the other day. I just don't want sellers to think that they're going to absolutely a hundred percent get a buyer to agree to their post closing. Because that, that no, is where I think right. agents get into issues. I just think that agents, you know, tell their sellers that, oh, it won't be a big deal. Like, we'll have lots of competition for the apartment. And, mm-hmm. you know, whoever will agree to your post-closing will take. It, it's just, it's a hard, it's almost like telling someone that you're going to price low and it you're definitely going to get the high happen. number. It's right. just, just be careful with that. That's all I'm saying. All right, moving on. I just saw a listing that specified no buyer's brokers, meaning the seller's broker wants to, wants the entire commission. If the listing in question is being marketed by a broker rather than a for sale by owner seller who's decided to work without an agent, you're right to be skeptical. The vast majority of residential real estate deals in Manhattan are co-broked, meaning that there are two agents involved, one representing the seller and the other representing the buyer. So, by the way, you know, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time, but there was a period of time when you did, and certainly in some of the outer boroughs here in the city, uh, you see that. Is it legal or or is it even standard to say, I'm the listing agent, I don't want to deal with any co-brokers, I don't want any well, buyer's brokers here? And if you're part of Rebney, you can't, you can't That's that's that. That's the thing. Out in Queens, I think a lot of mom and pop firms are not part of Rebney, and well, that's like why I actually, yeah, I remember uh, when I was at Corcoran, like the, we didn't like to go out there. Literally, just because no, because they, you know, they won't you're do not protected. You're not. You're yeah, not. They're yeah, only getting not re- you know three or four percent commission, anyways. To yeah. begin with. I actually had an agent when I was managing sales. I had an agent uh, from Queens um, call me one day, telling me that one of my agents was obnoxious. So I said, "Well, I know this agent, <laughs> and you know, I don't think that this person is obnoxious." And so, you know, he comes back to the office, you know, uh, later that day, and I said, "So I got this phone call. It was a message. I hadn't called it back yet because I wanted to speak to." Um, 
to him first. And so he said, well, I don't know why she's calling me obnoxious. She's refusing to show me the listing with my with my uh, renter. It was a rental, de- rental deal. And I've called her several times to get in, and she either doesn't call me back or calls me back and says, I'm not showing this to you. So I called the agent back and said, well, here's the situation. And she turned around and said to me, well, I don't have to. I'm not a revenue member, and I don't have to show your agent my listing, and I'm not going to. So tell them to stop bothering me. I think that is ridiculous. As a broker, it's so foolish because did we write a letter to the owner? I called the owner of of her little mom and pop company, and we got a showing. We didn't get the deal, but we got a showing. I mean, it should be illegal to do that. Really, it's because you're not even at that point. If you're a broker doing that, you're not doing your your client any justice. You're violating your fiduciary duties. Yeah, I also just think you're not doing yourself and what who we are justice. I mean, if you're a broker, you should be proud of what we do, and it's tough because we get a bad rep and what we are gets a bad rep in the country um, and this is one of the reasons like we should all be working together this, we should all have so much respect this is for an each old, other this is an old business yeah, practice yeah. and it was you know it's become less prevalent yeah. but you know these these people are going the way of the dinosaur they're not going to yeah, be here for yeah. long I've seen it happen though because when I was showing apartments here well, not too long ago it's not stated, but people will try to pull that that game. They we've talked about this, Vince. About they will just pull anything not to show it to well, you. Well, if, they they, want yeah, if, they, if they're not Rebney, and I know right. that, I have them sign a co-broker agreement before even do the showing. You know, there we go. I mean, and really people, protect yourself. And if you really know out there, Rebney is real estate board in New York. Just right. in case and, and, and there are rules and regulations that we have to follow. And um, you know, when when the early stages or the beginnings of this real estate you know business in New York City, I mean, it was probably a lot of cowboys and Indians, and there was not a lot of regulation. Rebney didn't exist, so you right. can pretty much do what you wanted to do. And in the old days, I bet you there wasn't a lot of co-broking or mandated co-broking. But now, when you put a listing out within forty-eight hours, it must hit everybody's system, mm-hmm. and you must make yourself available to show any agent in this city and and again as uh, you know sean said earlier this is all um good service or best interest of your seller of your client because at the end of the day they don't care about your shenanigans they want their place rented yeah. they want their place sold and they'd like it done clean and quick and you know, without any hassle. So it's it's our fiduciary responsibility to make sure that whoever wants to see an apartment, they get to see it. It's just real simple. And generally speaking, the better broker you are, and the more transactions you do, this stuff is not a big deal. I think it's short sightedness when you want to try to always get that direct deal. It's ridiculous. it's nice yeah. when it happens. Our job is the deal. But yeah. the deal you want to make deal. many deals. Right. We've yeah. talked about this many times, but it's like yeah. you want to. Have, I'd rather do fifty deals at half. Like splitting the commission, then ten deals, keeping it all. One hundred percent. I totally. And having a relationship with the rest of the brokerage community that just will serve you for life. Well, that's what the key is. Okay, all your reputation here is better than a gold bar because if you have a bad reputation in this town, you're always going to have a bad reputation, and that. In this business, trust me, you don't want. All right. Which matters more when you weigh the size of your apartment or your commuting time? For some New Yorkers, closet a closet-sized apartment or a short commute is preferable to a spacious pad that's a long way from the office. So which would you prefer? A smaller place closer to work or a larger place a little further away? To some people, size matters. What's the verdict? Commute. I, think, <laughs> I love I think that I, it, gray area, another gray area. No, I, I think it depends on the time of your life. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm 
semi-young if you look at my hair you might not think so but i'm i'm young i'm single uh you know i i i choose location over space i live three blocks away from my office um you know i live very close to all my friends um but obviously as you get married and have children people people i mean it's it's logistical like people choose to move out of the city to get more space so well, it's, i think, I think there's a know. third part though i think it's it's community work because if you think of it as just commute to work, I, I don't think New Yorkers really think commute to work as much. Yeah, they do, but a it's also bit. like where the community you live in. They'll, oh. they'll compromise for the neighborhood for like, you know, people who live in a shoebox in the West Village, as long as they're next to the two train to get them down to Goldman, you right. know, whatever. Hey, you know, Everybody has their requirements. That's what I find a combination is, is where they're really compromising. Yeah. The, the commute to work is the commute to work. They want it to be small, but walking to work is they usually live in midtown or you know working in midtown or whatever they'll then they'll compromise to like have fun in the east village or something like but that. wait wait hold on i'm intrigued what's the third i'm confused about what the third is i don't know where my train of thought was going on that one to be honest <laughs> yeah. but anyway, uh, there well, is a third i'll think of it there's a third and a fourth probably but the verdict is despite <laughs> it's also because i have a second home so it's like weird in my head <laughs> despite worsening subway delays a majority of these new yorkers would rather have a big apartment and a longer commute than a shoebox size apartment that's a stone's throw from the office with that we have to go to break we will be right back after these messages don't go away so size does matter The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. Thank you. 
You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with Sean and Louise and Matthew and Noah and Raymond. So... At the top of the show, I talked about New York interior designs and how it's ever-changing in this world, not only in New York City, but in, in any home around the U.S. So New York's buildings are as diverse as the people who inhabit them. But when it comes to interior design, it often feels like when you've seen one, you've seen them all. Open kitchens, stainless steel appliances, and white plank flooring are almost ubiquitous <clears throat> in design-focused homes these days. But design trends, like most things in New York, are always changing. Here is what... Uh, seems to be trending in design, according to top brokers in this town these days. Number one, Tyler's making a comeback. Thoughts? I, I mean, don't agree. Don't agree with that. <laughs> Thailand, where is like the tile? Like what kind of tile? Yeah. In, in general, kitchens, bathrooms. I mean, I would a eh, tiled bathroom. kitchen floor, not um, well, marble choice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, too many. There are too many great stone options to fall back. Look, a secondary bathroom. It's a value engineer proposition, but I wouldn't call it a comeback. Well, I've seen coarse and elusive tile that looks like marble, and so for a marble alternative, obviously a, a least cost alternative, this porcelain elusive, it's considered tile, but when it's on the wall or on the floor, it looks just like marble. So that may be. I see some good like faux wood tiles. Um, Those are really porcelain cool. wood. Yeah. Like, yeah. They'll trick you. I mean, they even have you know the texture and everything of wood. I mean, we're doing the, the new uh, we're doing the new pro- uh, Tamarkin project on the High Line, and there is not one inch of tile on that project, and it's gorgeous. Like it's just wood everywhere. Well, the porcelain uh, tile on the floor has been, been around for a long time, and I mean that's like a sort of a wood replacement. So I, I mean I don't agree that tile is making the comeback that it should, but. It's but the number, data is there. But right. it's number one. It's number one in, in the list of data. The I mean, Janet Jackson did have a concert last week, so come back. I was there. I heard it was amazing. And she looks really good. Right? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was amazing. So do you. Awesome. Number two was wide plank. She has plank. no tile in her part. <laughs> this I agree with. Wide plank floors I agree with. Oh, yeah. No, wide plank floors. Floor, like a wide plank floor. Yeah, people. I have them at the Claire, the building I'm selling on the east side. And they're beautiful. I think it's very safe. It's a very safe design for wide plank oak floors. I mean, and oh, by the way, real, real wood, not engineered floors. Engineered yeah. floors are kind of, you I'm know. A, I'm a fan of herringbone. I'm, you know, I guess I'm I love uh, the me herringbone. Too. I mean, mm. when it's tastefully done, I think it's the best. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I also just think I'm a huge fan of white oak. Like white oak. That's what I have. Have Oof, lots of white that's oak. what I have. Yeah, you just got me off. Well, it's yeah. safe because people can change it too so they can, you know, stain it darker or whatever. The controversy between open floor plans and closed the statistic says number three: open floor plans aren't going anywhere. Not in an urban environment. No, no, no. I don't think so. I think what's going to happen is things like my project at 498 West End Avenue, where we create family rooms off of your kitchen, which is open, and that is enclosed. So people use kitchens for one cocktails to put down their seamless bags. That's that's <laughs> what kitchens are used. I mean, everybody, in New York City, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you go to someone's apartment for a party, yourself. where are you hanging? Everyone's in the kitchen. Where are you hanging out? Oh, I cook. Yeah. How many people actually use those stools at the breakfast bar? Oh. I do every oh single. You do? Yes. Yeah, I my bath on that bar, and I work. <laughs> no, but do you, I mean, so, so it's a workplace, but is it a breakfast bar? Yes. Both. Okay, cool. Three meals a day. Really? Right. Yeah. At the breakfast bar. Yeah. Do you have well, backs I mean, on your seat? 
No, but but we have a huge six by four island and it has six seats. And Louise has really like, good posture though. I so do. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Recessed lighting is tired. That one I agree with. If I see one more recessed lighting or track lighting, I'm gonna you know pull it all out. Hate it. Hate. 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 I see it uh, being. What are you talking about? Then you want a tray ceiling? I mean, it, the construction cost around that uh, is very different. Um, who need, who what need, kind of recessed lighting though? Because I, I'm finding the perimeter lighting is very high, popular these I'm, days. I'm thinking oh, high hat. Well you think MR sixteens or those little guys. The but little the square lead, ones are they're okay. amazing. Yeah. Listen, oh, those the, are cool. Yeah. The the LEDs are the difference between the thirty two dollars and the four hundred and thirteen dollars yeah. is the difference between a ten year light bulb and a Yeah. And and the light is much. I mean, somebody asked warmer. me the other day at, at my open house in the new development. She said, "You know, how come there's there's only you know, uh, ceiling lights in the bathrooms and in the kitchen and not in the bedrooms and not in the living room?" I said, "Because developers just don't do that anymore, and they haven't done it for years." And she's like, "Well, I want that kind of lighting." What well, it's poured well, concrete. You need to actually, you can, yeah. and you can part do, of being in, involved with, you were late on that development project, but part of it is also having them put those outlets in the poured concrete because you can. That's it's expense. Right. But you can. But you can. And people do want it. So this statistic says it's tired, but you know what? Uh, you know, people still want it. Classic details aren't going out of style. Classic details. So, you know, the, the white box, the vanilla, trim line, you know, whatever is there it's popular but the old classic moldings and 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 detail styling in some of these these apartments yeah, w- are still very popular and not going out of style i will say that um you know as i show in bedsty and surrounding areas buyers always always want the classic over the modern and there's mm-hmm. so there's this whole thing about oh you know developers think buyers want modern actually i would say out there definitely not they want a out hybrid there, yeah they want they want yeah. modern functionality. That's exactly right. They want, renoed, they want a renoed. They want a renoed classic townhouse. I find most people, no matter what the borough is, they they love a good wide plank floor with a great molding and a gray wall, and like everyone will love that. I'm gray telling wall you, you will great like wall. a light, a light gray wall. Got it. Like I yeah. think the gray with the white molding with the with the plank floors, like no one will say no to that. I'm sorry, there's not one person that's going to hate that. Know, maybe Donald Trump. I don't know. He hates everything. No, I. I mean, I. I kind of like that. You know, the, 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 the gray wall yeah. is the gray wall. But I mean, you know, I. I prefer the classic style myself. I'm not one of these, you know, new kind of condo people to live in. I can sell them certainly well, but not going to live in one. And for your comeback. I think gold is making a comeback, actually. Really? Yeah, I, I, I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it, renov- uh, restoration hardware, it, it, you're tons of gold when you walk into their showrooms. It's really rare, pray tell. Bronze. Sorry, bronze. Bronze. Yeah, yeah, Louise is right. Bronze. bronze. Yeah. Let's be clear. I think this, <laughs> okay. yeah. Sorry, you're right. You're right. I think in the future, we'll be able to see developments and be like, this was built in 2016. Are you saying that it's replacing stainless or or Stainless steel is out. It's out. It's 498 West End Avenue, which which Cetra Ruddy did the interiors for us. And, um, you know, we did these these accents of of bronze throughout, and they were incredibly well-received. You know, 111 Murray did like a gunmetal type of uh, finish on a lot of the fixtures and the door handles and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, uh, that I thought that was pretty challenge. cool. That's amazing, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah um, it is. I, I'm a fan of gunmetal. I don't know if it really It's a very LA thing, I feel, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I was pretty impressed. It was, um, you know, I think it looks nice and I think it's pretty trendy and kind of gives it like that old school loft feel too. Like that. Vince, I, I love the brass hardware 
with the mix of like Chevron that I'm seeing these oh, days yeah, and developments. Nice. I just think it's beautiful. It's very architectural. It's almost digest. it's almost a throwback because when you see like a it like is. an old building like the Saratoga or something, and there's mm-hmm. like all these like quote unquote gold. Yeah you know, fixtures and stuff. And you're like, man, this it's is done so much better dated. now though. All right, guys, oh, yeah, we got to leave it yeah. there. We're out of time. That's our show for today. Thanks to my guests and panel as always until next time, be kind to one another for all of us at voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us. And I will see you next time. Taking care of business with David Wallach starts right after the break. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.